return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Amen and you will be blessed. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. His presence is certainly here, heavy. Glory to God. I'd like to start with Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to read from the New Living Testament. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail To experience it for this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them, but it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. I believe the King James says they didn't mix it with faith. If you've ever heard Pastor Kevin preach, he used that phrase a lot, mixing it with faith. Verse 3, for only we who believe can enter his rest. As for the others, God said, in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest, even though this rest has been ready since he made the world. I don't know if you've noticed, there's at least 13 times the word rest is used in this portion of scripture. We're not just talking about being able to sleep well at night, friends. This rest is talking about wholeness. It's talking about the completeness. It's talking about the abundance that's possible in Christ. Uh, We know it is ready because of the place in the scriptures where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. But in the other passage, God said, they will never enter my place of rest. So God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God King James says they didn't believe. It was unbelief. All right, verse 7. So God set another time for entering his rest. And that time is today. In other words, this abundance, this completeness, this potential that's possible in God's word is still here and available. God announced this through David. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, in other words, if this rest was just talking about way back when, when the Israelites were supposed to be entering the promised land, then God wouldn't have gone on to say this other stuff. But he was talking about more than that. So verse 9, so there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. Verse 10, please. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. So let's do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. In other words, it's all about faith. We have to get, that's why this whole part about God working, not working, is in here. Because the whole effort that's supposed to be put forth is just simple faith. But what blew me away this week is what's in verse 12. 
I never connected this whole business. Maybe you all have already had it all figured out. But here's verse 12. The word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and our innermost desires. And praise God. Father, we thank you that your word is alive. It is powerful. It will last way past the anything that's alive and kicking on this earth. Lord, the, the word of God shall remain. And I thank you, Lord, it has the power to renew our minds and it has the power to transform our souls. And Lord, enable us tonight to hear with faith and to partner with you, Lord, because that's what it is, a partnership with you and your glorious, holy, powerful word with all of its promise and all of its potential. And then there's our willingness to be transformed. And so, Jesus, help us to engage and to encounter you with faith even tonight. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So, maybe I went so fast you didn't see my title, but I'm titling it Renewing the Mind, Part 3. But going a little bit past that, renewing the spirit of your mind. Now, we've been talking about all the reasons why we should put forth this effort of renewing our mind. Because it's hard. I don't know, since I spoke the last couple of times, have you made an effort to get into the word a little bit more? Anybody? Somebody? Yes, thank you. And maybe if you saw that piece of paper that Pastor Dave put in the bulletin this morning, oh my goodness, that was a little troubling, huh? If you open the Bible, it said two times a week. It's just as if you didn't open it at all. If you open it three times a week, same thing, no results. You have to open it at least four times a week and to encounter God and for it to affect your life. Wow. Well, personally, I think every time you open the Word of God, it's going to do something. So, praise God. We just need to get into the Word of God. Hallelujah. So, um, it's kind of like muscles, this business of faith. I mean, do we have anybody with big developed muscles in here? Who? <laughs> okay, Albert, show them. <laughs> anyway, if you've ever studied anatomy, <laughs> thank you, thank you. If you've ever studied anatomy, you have to memorize all those muscles, and every one of us have the same muscles. But a few people have these developed muscles that can do these amazing things. And how did they get to that place? They exercised them. Same thing with faith. Every one of us are given a measure of faith. Every one of us. Well, what are we doing with it? Are we developing it? Are we exercising it? Hallelujah. Let's labor, Hebrews 4:11 to enter into that rest. That deep heart satisfaction, that abundant life, the life of completely fulfilling God's purpose. The effort that's demanded is simply exercising faith. So uh, this is God's process, and I've explained this in the last couple times. God's process for renewing our mind is the reprogramming of our minds to possess and use faith to become what we already are. I mean, before we were saved, maybe you remember, it was your body, our body, my body, that ruled the roost. I'm hungry, give me food. 
I want this. I want that. I'm too tired. I'm not going to church. I mean, our body was in charge. Or maybe you were one like me whose emotions were in charge. Got my feelings hurt. So everybody's going to know about it. Or I'm angry. Watch out, world. (laughs) But now, it's our spirits that must dominate. We still live in a body. In fact, the amazing, amazing thing is that now our body has become a temple. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. I asked Jennifer to show it to us from the Message Bible. Or didn't you realize, he says, that your body is now a sacred place? A sacred place. I mean, if you've ever studied the tabernacle, the holy place, the holiest of holies, is now your spirit. It's, the Lord was just showing me that while we were singing tonight. The mercy seat. I'm the mercy seat now. You are the mercy seat. We're the ones that God now dwells with and and encounters and engages with. And so now that we have this high price that was paid for our body, we're not going to squander this life or this body anymore. Romans 12 verse 1 says, now we're going to present these bodies as living sacrifices to him. Before... Christ, our spirits were dead, but the second, I mean the second you say yes to Christ, our spirits are completely regenerated and made alive. One minute we're dead in trespasses and sins, the next minute we're alive with the life of God. In fact, your spirit man is completely perfect. Perfect, blameless, innocent. We have a scripture from uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. This is from the Passion Translation. It says, by his one perfect sacrifice, Jesus Christ made us perfectly holy. Perfectly holy. I heard the, the one preacher explain that it's, it's even innocence. It's as if you've never, ever sinned. And complete. Our spirit man is complete. We now take on the blamelessness, the righteousness of Christ. John 1.14 says, Of his fullness have we all received, and grace for grace for grace for grace for grace. Like, we're not lacking anything, friends. Do you realize every gift of the Holy Spirit is already in your spirit man? It's already there. Every fruit is already there. Every spiritual blessing under heaven is already within us by the Spirit of Jesus. And I gave you Ephesians 1, 3, verse, uh, yeah, verse 3, the New Living Testament. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, past tense, has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united With Christ, our inner man, friend, is already brimming with faith, overflowing with love. Our spirit being knows no fear whatsoever. Can't even conceive what fear is. There's no doubt in your spirit, man. There's no insecurity. There's no shyness. There is no limitation of any kind. It's called the kingdom. (laughs) The kingdom of God. That's what's in us. Yes, we are clay pots, but we house the treasure of the ages. And 
don't know, you should probably check out uh, Romans 8.11 says, Levi quoted it this morning, when that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, it actually quickens, affects our mortal body. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I give you 2 Corinthians 4.7, the reason God puts this amazing treasure in earthen vessels, jars of clay, whatever you want to call yourself, it's all so that this all-surpassing power can be seen, obviously, to be from God and not from us. So um, the point is, of course, well, I guess what I was trying to say was that our souls are made up of our mind, will, and emotions. And what God wants to renew is that part of us. Our spirit doesn't need to be renewed. It's perfect. But it's our mind, our will, and our emotions that God wants to get in unity with our spirit. And that can take a lifetime. It actually takes as long as you want it to, to tell you the truth. I mean, you know how vitamins are? You could overdose. I mean, take a whole bunch. But, but they say it's just going to go down the drain, down the toilet. So you just take whatever you need per day or try to get in your food, however you want to do things. But God's word is different. You can overdose. You can take mega doses of God's word. And it will just work a little quicker and a little faster. And it will perfect us just a little better yet. So I want to urge you, get into the word of God. Because he does want us renewed. There is a call on your life. On your life, on your life. Every child and teenager in this place, there is a call on your life. Nobody else can fulfill the call that's on your life. Nobody else. And so God wants us getting that place a little bit more developed, a little more developed, a little more developed. The point is that God wants to get all of us to be like our spirit man. Strong and free and joyful and thankful and powerful and operating in love and always full of faith and always exercising hope because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And the Bible says the champion lives in us. The conqueror lives in us. 1 John 4, 17. As he is. Let's see, way at the bottom. As he is, so are we in this world. Oh, that verse just gets me every time. So yes, there is a slight disconnect. I know you're thinking, well, okay, but how come I'm not there yet? (laughs) You know, um, I was thinking the other day, I was hearing somebody say, we have the mind of Christ. And I'm thinking, okay, the Bible says I have the mind of Christ. But then here I am, the Lord's led me to, do this series on renewing my mind. I'm supposed to renew my mind. It needs to be made new. And then the Bible says, I have the mind of Christ. Okay, which one is it? Well, the truth is, it's my spirit man that already has the mind of Christ. I think you spoke on something like that this morning about how we can access this wisdom. Um, Who was it I was hearing preach about they were having so much trouble with algebra at the college level. And uh, he just kept calling on God. Hey, God, listen, you know algebra. You know calculus. You know this stuff. Come on. I'm asking you to just bring it to the top so that I can learn some of this stuff. So, yes, there's this disconnect. We're not all there yet. 
But that's the whole point. God doesn't want us ever thinking it's hopeless. He doesn't ever want us thinking it's too late. I'm too old, or I made too many mistakes, or I'm stuck, or there's no solution for my problem. No, 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 we are not victims of our circumstances. We are not pawns in this life game. Fate does not decide who you are or what you're going to do or what you're going to become. We are powerful people. Who was it I heard the other day was explaining about uh, renting a car? Anybody ever rent a car? You're going to have it for a couple days, at least a couple hours, if you're going to pay that kind of money, right? What if you turn the ignition on and outblast this music like, ah, heavy metal, I can't listen to this. But you, you think to yourself, well, there's nothing else I can do. I'm stuck listening to this music for the next week. True? No. No. Exactly. Change the channel, right? right? Change the channel or turn it off. We have that kind of power, friends. Amen. We have that kind of power with our words and with our thoughts and how much of the word of God we get inside of us because we want to actually renew the spirit of our mind. There is no limit, no limit whatsoever to the transformation that's possible for you and for me. I'm going to say that again. There is no limit. There is no limit. We have this box, this invisible box like, I can only do this much. I can only go this far. After all, I'm from South Dakota. (laughs) Or whatever. We just have to break out of the box, friends. There's no limit on who or what we can be. There is no limit to what we can become. Or the freedom we can attain in Christ. There's no limit to the peace we can access in Christ. None. There is no limit to the wholeness that's available to you. There's no limit to the fruitfulness available and possible in your life. There's no limit to the prosperity or the health or the success that you can obtain. But it's not magic. It doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen by osmosis. You don't catch it like a cold. You don't inherit it from your parents. I don't care how godly they were. It's a renewed mind happens on purpose. On purpose. Now, I spent a lot of time the last couple of sessions stirring your heart for, with reasons to make the effort, because it is effort. It is our responsibility. We will never be able to stand before God and say, well, Lord, this is just the way it was. I had all these bad breaks. I grew up in that family. Nobody was looking out for me. Nobody came around to be my mentor. Nobody encouraged me. You can't. It's our responsibility. And it's not like there's no Bible out there, friends. If you don't have the book, uh, how many people in this place have a phone? Okay. How many apps are there, Bible apps? I heard somebody say the other day you can even get it in a uh, hundred different languages. And it's all free. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Okay. Be ye transformed. That's the command. 
Be metamorphosed. In our first session, we looked at the transfiguration accounts, and I was sharing with you how I was blown away by God, caring enough, having such intention for us, that he would use a word like that, metamorphosed, that he really wants us, that it's possible by getting into the word of God to experience the radiance and the splendor that Jesus experienced in the transfiguration account. Wow. Personally, for me, that alone gets me into the word. And this matter of transformation or sanctification, as some people call it, is not a tweaking of your brain. It's not a change of behavior. In fact, I think we saw that from Hebrews chapter 4. It really has not much to do with our behavior. Yes, God is pleased with holy living. But what he's looking for is not a behavior-based theology. It's a faith-based theology. It's about taking on the likeness of Christ, including his glory. It's just as dramatic as the change between that caterpillar and the butterfly. Now, I actually looked at some footage this week, some video, thinking, oh, it'd be kind of fun to show you that, but you've all seen it probably. But anyway, there's four stages to becoming from the Becoming the butterfly. So the first stage is this tiny, 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 tiny little egg. And I was thinking about the seed of the gospel. Every time you plant a seed, every time you just love somebody, every time you give them a cup of water in Jesus' name, every time you share the gospel, the seed is falling. And we're always praying that it's going to be good soil. And it will not return void. The the word will never return void. So that tiny little seed then, this caterpillar hatches from that tiny little seed. Well, it grows a little bit. (laughs) Then this caterpillar comes out. And the first thing it does is eat the egg. Did you know that? How many people have seen this footage? Maybe when you're in fourth grade, right? (laughs) Anyway, he turns around and he chews on and eats this egg that he just came out of. And then he eats the leaf that he was sitting on. And then the next leaf and the next leaf and the next leaf. And they say that he will increase in size 2,000 times. 2,000 times his original size. And he will expel his exoskeleton four times. I mean, he just outgrows his body. And he gets a new one. And a new one. I mean, uh, one of the commentators called him a stomach on wheels. But isn't that kind of what we should be? Ooh, eating the word of God. Eating and eating and eating. And then this um, caterpillar, then in the fifth exoskeleton, he then designs this chrysalis around him. And um, then becomes, then really the transformation starts in the secret place. Ooh, that sounds kind of spiritual too, huh? In the secret place. I mean, all, everything becomes new. Everything becomes new. A new head, a new heart, a new abdomen, new eyes. His entire gut is reformed because the new organism will not ever be digesting plant material again. The butterfly lives on nectar. God's trying to get us ready for the sweet and the divine. Hallelujah. The shape of his brain changes and new connectors are developed to the antenna and the new legs and the new eyes and everything becomes new. 
And this process that God has set up for us transforms us and changes us just as dramatically as the caterpillar becoming a beautiful butterfly. Now, for them, the process is built into their DNA. It's an amazing thing our Elohim creator has done, right? But for us, it's a matter of want to. Pure and simple want to. We get to decide exactly how much of God and how much of his fullness we really want in our lives. And it will always be in proportion to the amount of the word in our hearts. But I want to go a little bit further tonight because, yes, renewing the mind is essentially about getting the word into our hearts. But we need to do something about what's in our minds. Um, Do you have Matthew 3, verse 2 for us, Jennifer? When Jesus first started ministering, this was his message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I uh, led a Bible study, a Sunday school class, actually, at the assembly for, what, two to three years, and it was, we were using this book called Repentance. Always, in my mind, I always understood repentance to be sorrow for sin and change of behavior, change of lifestyle. Do you know what this word repent, metanoia, means? It means to change your mind, to change the mind. We are not going to enter into the kingdom or have the kingdom enter us until we have a change of mind. The Bible says a man, as a man thinks in his heart, that's how he is. We are the accumulation of everything we've been thinking about ourselves and of God and of life. And what we believe, friends, will determine our experience. And I'll be probably repeating that in the next couple sessions because... 90% of the people in the world do not believe that. They are convinced that we are victims of fate, that circumstances are all predestinated. There's nothing you can do. Just live with it. Well, Joshua and Caleb are a pretty good example, and the ten spies. I mean, all 12 of those guys grew up in the same neighborhood, They all experienced the Passover. They all experienced the crossing of the Red Sea. They all saw their enemy completely obliterated when the waters came down, right? They all ate the manna from heaven. They all drank the water from the rock. Every one of them, the 12 spies, all walked into the new promised land. They all saw the land. They saw the fruit. They saw the people, the giants. And they all came back, ten of them, with a completely different conclusion from the other two. Completely different. And yet they all grew up in the same environment. Now, what was the big difference? How did two of them come to a completely different conclusion? The ten said... We're nothing but grasshoppers in their sight. The land's going to eat us up. And the other two, they're bread for us. 
They're bread for us. Our God is mighty. He's strong. Let's go in and do this. This was not an overnight thing that happened in their minds. For years, these ten people had been thinking small, limited. I don't know. I'm not sure. What if? And the other two, we've got God on our side. We are in covenant with the Holy God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. They concluded differently because they thought differently. In Ephesians 4.23, the command is given to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. Now, I believe this is speaking about our subconscious mind. Yes, we need to be accountable for what we think about, but did you realize that 95% of your life is actually driven by your subconscious. And I'm talking about belief systems that have taken up residence in our hearts that some of us not, might not even realize they exist. Uh, for example, I heard a, a gal sharing recently. She said uh, the Lord had asked her, um, we'll call her Judy. Judy. He said, Judy, do you believe the Bible? And she says, yes, Lord, I believe the Bible. Judy, do you believe I'm going to meet your needs, that I'm going to supply your needs? And she said, yes, Lord. And then she even quoted Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all my needs according to my riches, your riches in glory. And then the Lord said to her, then why are you worried? And she says, Lord, do my emotions have to believe too? You see, this is, a, this is an indicator, friends. Our emotions are an indicator of what stage our subconscious is at. Because if you are experiencing, um, well, like Pastor Dave's sermon this morning, if you're, let, you're feeling your blood boil and walk in the other direction when somebody's coming that way, oh my goodness, there's a little problem here. <laughs> I better deal with this immediately. Or, you know, worry. It's an indication that in our subconscious, my my emotions indicate that I don't quite have the kind of faith that I thought I had. And this is where we're heading. We're heading to where faith affects our emotions. And the kingdom of God is what? Righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. These are emotions that should be, in effect, operating in our life. Hallelujah. Now, most of us have been taught, and correctly so, that just because a thought crosses our mind doesn't mean it's from God. It's a process, isn't it? Learning to hear or decide, was that thought from God? Was that thought from the enemy? Am I supposed to be paying attention to this one? Or sometimes it's kind of like Joyce Myers was talking about, you're in a pit. You've been in a self-pity pit for three days, and it finally occurs to you. How did this get started? (laughs) What was I thinking? Okay, I need to make a change here and I need to replace this. Hunters, anybody hunters in this place? Hunters, okay, they're experts often at discerning who's been out in the field. They can tell, oh, a deer's been here by looking up the tracks. Or at our house, we can tell we've had some rabbits around. (laughs) 
You can look at the tracks. You can look at how they've been nesting. What I'm saying is we look at the signs, friends, and we can tell, even in your thought life, if certain thoughts are causing you to get discouraged and depressed and hopeless, it's probably not from God. God's thoughts, God's thoughts will energize you and fill you with hope and fill you with life. So we want to start paying attention to our thoughts, what it's doing to our bodies, what it's doing to our emotions. And I want you to be aware the enemy does not knock on your door and say, Hello, I'm the devil. I am going to have a little fun with you today. Get ready because I'm going to fill your mind with discouraging thoughts. Get ready. I'm going to bug you for the next week with thoughts about your mate and how they made this terrible mistake or whatever. I mean, the devil does not come in and announce that he's going to fill our hearts with sadness or disappointment or that his plan to get us so bitter and angry. And he has lies. That's all he has, really. But lies and more lies and more lies. And he's a master at it. And he will come and make it sound like the thought was us. He adds personal pronouns. I'm so angry. Or I don't deserve this. I'm not worthy. I mean, it sounds, some of these things sound so religious or so humble. But we got to keep being like God. What did God say to Adam? Who told you that? Yeah, we kind of got to say that once in a while. Just ask ourselves, who told you that? Um, We're going to be talking more about controlling our thoughts probably in the next session or so. But um, tonight, I would like us to just make a decision. That yes, Lord, I believe there's more for me. Can you say that? Yes, Lord, I know there's more for me. We've got to decide. I am not a pawn in the game of life. I'm not a victim of fate or a victim of circumstances. God set before every one of us. Here, here's life. Here's death. Here's blessing. Here's cursing. You choose. And then he even tells us what to choose. Choose life. Choose to be a partner, friends, with God in this business of changing our very subconscious and taking every thought captive under the obedience of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We have a part to play in this. Uh, Joshua 1.8. I know I've been skipping several scriptures, Jennifer, sorry. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. It's important what we say. But you shall meditate in it day and night. Think, think, think. Chew on it. Meditate on it. Mutter is actually one of the meanings for meditate. That you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. We have a part to play in this. We have a part to play in this whole business. Hallelujah. And Jesus put it quite simply, as your faith is, so be it unto you. Wow. We can moan and groan or whine and cry all we want. We can blame others. We can blame God. We can lament that life is not fair, that we never got any good breaks. But the truth is we choose. 
This day I call the heavens. Actually, I gave you that scripture, right? Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. The NIV. I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. So it's not just about you. It's not just about me. It's about our kids. Hallelujah. God has this remarkable plan to free you, to use you. But he's also got a future and a hope for your kids. Glory to God. So before we close tonight, I just want to give you a couple quick tools to work with until we meet again. (laughs) And um, the Lord gave me, it's actually HLT, like Holy Life Tabernacle. The first one is the hearing of faith. And I know I shared that a little bit already from Hebrews chapter 4. I think I did. I give you Galatians 3, verse 1 and 2. This is this whole business where the Holy Spirit says to these people, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I'd like to learn just one thing. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or believing what you heard? It's really all about, is it all about behavior, 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 what you do, what you do? Or is it about continuing to live by faith? So when you read, we want to read by faith. We want to hear by faith. My second little tool I'd like to just hand you is this aiming for love. And I know we've heard it a hundred thousand times, but I heard this little interview this last week where this this gal who was just she was oozing with love, and the other lady apparently was magnificently used in prophecy. I didn't know either one of them, and she was interviewing the the lady that was used a lot in prophecy, and so she said to her, "Well, how do you do it? How do you hear from God?" And she says, "Well, this is what I always start with." I always ask God, what do you love the most about him? What do you love the most about her? So that's been helping me. It might help you. Maybe when you're even standing in line at Hy-Vee or at Starbucks. Just ask the Lord, what do you love the most about that person? And it changes us, right, when we think in thoughts of love. And then here's the third one, H-L-T. The last one is simple thanksgiving. Just to think in thoughts of gratefulness. And um, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. The NIV says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. We should not be lifting up a prayer or a petition that doesn't have thanksgiving attached to it. And then, go ahead, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. Thanksgiving, actually, it's like having a Teflon coating on your mind and on your heart. It just guards it. It protects it. Are we convinced? I heard Roger preached on counting your blessings the other day. Right? Makes a difference. Glory, glory, glory. You can't worry and be thankful at the same time. It can't happen. It's one of the most powerful ways to guard your mind and protect it from depression 
and despair. And besides, I've made the decision that I would like the reputation in heaven of being one of Father's most grateful children. We could all use that kind of a goal, right? All right, so I have some declarations for you. Are you ready? Yes. All right. There is no limitation to who or what I can become. And then I'm going to repeat. There is no limitation to who or what I can become. There is no limitation to the peace or the wholeness available for me. There's no limitation to the fruitfulness possible in my life. There's no limit to the health. I'm going to repeat that. There's no limit to the health or the prosperity or the goodness and the mercy that's chasing me down. I'm not a victim of fate. I'm not a pawn in the game of life. I choose life and every blessing under heaven. Under heaven. I choose to partner with God in the renewing of my mind. I choose to partner with God in the transformation of my soul until every part of me is free and strong. The windows of heaven are open for me. Let's say that again. The windows of heaven are open for me. The promises of God are waiting for me to possess them. Possess them. Grab them. Yes, and they shall be mine in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I declare and decree that breakthrough is coming for this people. Hallelujah, I thank you that your word is working powerfully and mightily. And these minds are being renewed. The very spirit of their mind, the very subconscious of these precious people that you love and adore is being transformed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Have yourself a wonderful week. Blessing on you all. Hallelujah. Anybody want prayer? I'd be glad to agree with you. Praise God. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife@brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.